This week on After the Buzzer with Ian Busby, we are going to talk about the midway point uh, for some teams in the CFL and how things are going specifically with the Calgary Stampeders and Edmonton Elks. They are outside of the playoff picture right now in the CFL. And you want to know how weird that is? Uh, never before in the history of this league has Calgary and Edmonton missed the playoffs in the same year. It's a funny situation, but no playoff football for Alberta would just be weird. It would just not feel right. Um, right now, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers are rolling, top team in the CFL. Not much to discuss with them. They just feel like they are getting all the bounces and all the luck, and they're a really good organization uh, and team. Uh, it's you got some teams in the middle now with Saskatchewan, BC looking okay, you know, putting together a win in Montreal. That's a tough place to go and win. Um, Hamilton coming out with a big win against the Calgary Stampeders. And uh, Toronto losing in uh, in Saskatchewan, but it feels like they're going to be uh, something to be reckoned with when it gets to playoff time as well. So I'm going to chat with Danny Austin from Post Media. We are going to break it down. He's in the... He's still in Ontario, so we have a bit of a, um, you know, a little bit uh, choppy connection, but uh, we have a good conversation about that and the situation facing the Stampeders. Could they possibly be making a quarterback switch? That is just a weird scenario to try and grasp, being that they have a two-time Grey Pup MVP in Bo Levi Mitchell, who's obviously earned enough rope to have a few bad games uh, without having to worry, look over a shoulder as to who's coming in next. Uh, we're going to break it all down for you. Coming up right now. All right, here we go, Danny. The uh, week, whoa, what week is it? We're halfway through the season, basically, for a couple of teams, most notably the Calgary Stampeders and the uh, the team that is two and five and looking like uh, they're falling out of the playoff race. Uh, the Edmonton Elks are falling out of the playoff race with them as well. So uh, what, how do you assess how things have gone halfway through the year? You're probably looking at the, the, the bye week for the stamps as being uh, where you're going to do a first half assessment and say, wow, that couldn't have probably gone any more poorly for them uh, at this point in time. Right. Yeah, except it changes every week. Like, that's the thing. Like, after the Bombers lost, people were still like, okay, well, at least they're able to compete with a pretty good Bombers team. They're still in this. Then Labor Day, we're all ruling them out. Then they come back and play a much better game where Labor Day replay, and we're all thinking they're back in because they're going to be able to beat up on a banged-up Ticats team. And then that did not happen. Um, and at this point, I mean, they played their worst game of the season in Week 7. Uh, you know, when the narrative around your team is they're going to get better, they're building something, and they come out and lay a bomb in week seven that pushes you to two and five. Um, I think it's pretty hard to have any confidence that this team is going to be able to turn things around. Yeah. And it, it for the first time in uh, his career, we're looking at, well, maybe Bowley by Mitchell might not be the answer as the starting quarterback. Uh, it Jake Mayer came in and, you know, it was kind of a – I wouldn't say it was garbage time, but they needed some sort of a spark to, and I think that's what they brought Jake Marion 
to do in that last drive. And he comes, drives them down the field and scores. But uh, I, give me your thoughts on the whole talk that maybe Bo Levi Mitchell. I, one of the things that I saw was, oh, the, the winning era in Calgary is over. It was like, well, the, they've had a rough <laughs> month and a half or two months of a season. I don't think the winning era is over by any stretch. But uh, certainly there, we haven't had a, a whole lot of quarterback controversy since 2013 uh, when he came in and uh, was named the starter out of training camp. Yeah, I mean, I don't think the era is over. And I mean, I'm, I'm sure we'll address the question directly about what you do next game in terms of the quarterback situation. Um, fact is, Bo is bad on Friday. I mean, that's he would be truthful in that assessment. That's not controversial to say. Um, I am of the opinion that this guy has won you two great cups. Um, he's probably earned the right to play play himself out of the slump or, or at least try, but the leash is getting considerably shorter. Um, I think, look, the Stampeders is a rebuilding here where they thought that that didn't necessarily mean that they were going to be missing the playoffs. They thought that they could build quickly enough that they were going to be in contention. Um, at two and five, I don't know that you can say that they are. Um, but if this is a rebuilding year, if this is a year where you're bringing in new offensive linemen, you're bringing in new DNs, you're, you're trying to build, it's not the end of the world. Um, you know, but this team has survived year after year with, you know, developing star players. And then a lot of those stars end up in other places. And right now, I mean, the, the remnants of that 2016, 17, 18 team, I mean, most of those players are still in and around the league. Um, and they're just thriving elsewhere. So, like, it's it's a question of whether the strategy of always, you know, not being willing to necessarily pay um, to keep some of these guys around. It's, I think there's a question of whether that strategy is just not working this year. Um, I, I, I do still think there have been some players who have excelled. I mean, Sean Lyman, who was obviously a last-minute signing, is now – I don't know if he is now, but coming out of the game, he was leading the CFL in sacks. He's been excellent. Uh, I think Jameer Thurman and Darnell Sankey have been excellent. I think the DB group's been pretty good. I have no problem with the way the defense played against Hamilton. Hamilton basically played a high school offense. They, you know, ran the ball and did, you know, little yep. slant passes. But um, the fact is, all their points pretty much came off turnovers. There was a pick six. The Stamps fumbled two punts. Um, I don't care who you are. I don't care what team you are. I don't care if you are the 2018 Calgary St. Peter's. You turn the ball that over that much, you're not winning football games. Uh, it doesn't matter if Brandon Banks is out and you're facing David Watford or quarterback. So this to me, I mean, I think this loss is – there's no there's no risk of overstating how bad a loss that was or how bad the St. Peter's played, particularly the offense and special teams. Um, it's a brutal loss. I, I, I don't think it's the end of the world. It's just we're so used to Stampeders' dominance, but I don't think it's the end of the world if they don't make the playoffs for one year. Um, yeah, you know, it's. I don't think that this means that we're entering a, a year of like a ten-year drought since they don't make it this year. Right, and I was looking back, and I I think I texted you this uh, with Edmonton losing last uh, night, so they lose to Winnipeg. There's a, quite a separation between the top and the bottom of the West now. Edmonton and Calgary are right now on the outside looking in and uh, they don't feel like they're going to get back in the playoff race. Um, and you're running out of time, basically. Uh, Calgary and Edmonton have never missed the playoffs in the same season. I just looked that up th this morning and I was, because well, I was like, okay, well, the Calgary hasn't missed since 24 or 2004. 
Edmonton had some years in there where they didn't make the playoffs. Uh, then the years that it's always one of those teams is always strong. Uh, you know, the, the Eskimos at the time, they were called. They dominated the 70s and 80s mostly. Uh, then the Stampeders were strong in the 90s and the 2010s. The 2000s, you could say that the Stamps were pretty strong. Uh, Edmonton won a couple of great cups. Alberta, it's just weird not having an Alberta. It would be weird not having an Alberta team in the CFL playoffs. It just because it's never happened. Uh, it would just be it would just be an odd situation. And you didn't yeah. expect coming into this year, absolutely right. No, and I mean the the Elks. There were people picking them to go to the Great Cup this year, right? Not you and I. Um, no, but there were a lot of people. I mean, and I'll be straight up. Like, this Stan Peters team, I thought would be better than this. So, um, you know, if people want to go back and look at whatever preseason predictions I made, um, but it's luck. I mean, these things. It just hasn't happened with the two Alberta teams. But like, I just, I, I honestly, with any, if any Stan Peters fans are freaking out and getting mad, like every organization has different years. This is a damn year. Like, that's what it is. And the, Raptors, <laughs> and the Raptors didn't make the playoffs this year. And it's kind of like, well, that's what you have to do to rebuild. You, you got to reload and, and rebuild and potentially, like, review your strategies a little bit. But, I mean, if there's hope, which I don't know that there is, because ultimately the Stampeders need to win games. So the question is not what the team's above them. But, like, realistically, it looks like you're going to have to catch BC. Um, BC's... Next, got I don't know how many games this is. I'm just going to start going through. Home to Saskatchewan, home to Winnipeg, home to Calgary, at Winnipeg, at Toronto, at Hamilton, home to Calgary. <clears throat> and then they finish off with the Elks. <clears throat> they may have the toughest schedule between now and the end of the season. Um, you know, But they, they did look pretty good against a Montreal team that's been inconsistent. But I still, like, I don't think we can take that win away from them. Uh, but, you know. Their other ones came against Ottawa and the Stampeders with uh, with Bowley Mitchell playing with a, a broken leg. So um, I, I do think that there's still, if you're looking at anything and, and looking for hope, I don't think Anderson has any hope with, with Trevor Harris out. But, um, but if you're the Stampeders and you're saying, okay, well, maybe we can win five of our last seven. Um, if, that, if you have that opportunity, um, you know, if you can do that, DC will probably drop some games here. Yeah. Yeah. You'd have to do that uh, to get just to 500. And they've got those three games against the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, who are an, an inconsistent team as well. So it there's no team. Well, Winnipeg, uh, to me, uh, is just far and above everyone else in this league right now. Um, and in a way that I don't, I, don't know. I don't know that it's surprising. They just managed to stay healthy. I mean, and I, I say this all the time, but like my question about Winnipeg is still like, yeah. I mean, every team in the league, this is probably true, but Zach Valeros just makes me nervous. His health history makes me nervous. Andrew Harris is older. I mean, there's, they're winning with throw line and D line, but still, I mean, it feels like injuries are the only thing that can stop that Bombers team in the regular season. As right. we know, in the NFL playoffs, anything can happen. But um, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't guarantee them anything by, by being the best regular season team. So. Yeah, and like my thing is, like, if you can't beat a Hamilton Tiger to get to have this team, there's missing Brandon Banks, missing Vera Posey, who just kills the Stampeders every time he plays them, and there's missing Dane Evans and Jeremiah Mazzoli. Like, why, why am I talking about the playoffs? You know what I mean? Like, right. <laughs> like 
<laughs> if you can't beat that team, um, and there are there are things that need to be accounted for in, in that game. Um, not excuses, but explanations. Like, Conrad Williams only played a handful of, of, of plays, so that their O-line was was absolutely dominated by a pretty amazing Ticats D-line, but, like, they that, that's they were missing three starters. Um, like, that that's, that's a tough spot for the O-line. Um, I did not think Bo moved around well, um, and I think that once Kamar Jordan went out, there just didn't seem to be much confidence in the receivers. Um, you know, at one point they were starting, they were playing with Sindani, Hakanvanu, and Hunchak, and those are three Canadian receivers, three guys who were drafted in the late rounds. Um, like, they, they were shorthanded as well. But if you can't beat that Ticats team with those players, you're not, you don't belong in the playoffs, probably. Like, chances are, right? So you can't, like, they don't have a kick returner. They literally don't have. <laughs> they don't have one on the roster. They're, yeah, they have a, a receiver doing it, and it, he's basically. There was a couple of times he just caught the ball and stepped out of bounds. Like, I good. I don't want to have to do this. So, well, Josh Huff. I don't think they wanted him. I mean, they started with Richard Leonard, with Dan Williams, with Marquis Ambles, and the guys fumbled it, so they had to go back to Josh Huff, who's probably their best option with Malik Henry out. Yeah. But I don't know that the by committee thing is working. If the guys can't catch the punts, they're not doing the job yeah well it's a bye week uh and bye weeks are always fun because you get some time off obviously uh it they couldn't have had a better you start of the season think okay bye week right in the middle uh what are you going to do on the bye week uh i know you're in the eastern time zone right now uh it's darker there than it is here so <laughs> yeah i'm with <clears throat> i'm uh, in Toronto doing family stuff for a couple days and i'm going to come back i'm going to hike and then I'm going to presumably have to do, you know, a lot of, of writing and, and talking and all that about what the hell the Stampeders do with their quarterback situation. Because um, it's a, that's going to be the big question. And I will say that uh, when I asked directly to Dave Dickinson um, if Jake Mayer might start postgame, it's the first time ever that Dave just hasn't said, like, yeah, Bo's the starter. He didn't say Bo wasn't starting. But there's clearly, you know, I don't want to say there's a crisis of confidence. That's overstating it. But they saw how Bo played as well. Uh, everyone, everyone did. The Stampeders are aware of it. That's not good enough to win you football games. And, I mean, what was immediately noticeable, forget the fact that Jake Mayer went nine for nine. He was so much quicker rolling out of the pocket and, like, reading the pressure and getting away from it. Um, and opening that opens a passing lane. So, you know, the Ticats weren't knocking down every second pass that he threw. Um, yeah. And I, I do... I don't know what's going on with Bo. I don't know if this is ultimately he took two years off from shoulder surgery and made us not be quite the same the same guy. I don't know if his leg is still affecting him. Um, didn't look very good. Yeah. And, well, and the just the energy level was so much different when Jake came in there. It was just like boom. Okay, yeah, we're the quarterback going to run around. He's going to scramble a bit. He just he gives you kind of a. A different look. He's a much different player, um, and he's yeah. And, he's and got a bone, so I, I, you know, you got to like his arm. That's for sure. Yeah, and I mean, I question whether if you if Bo was healthy and you sit him and go with the younger quarterback. I mean, traditionally in football, when you do that to a veteran quarterback, I mean, I don't even know if there are examples of doing that to a quarterback who's won championships. It's probably the end of their time with your team, right? Well, and it it happened in twenty eleven. 
with Henry Burris. Drew Tate was looking like he, okay, he's a viable starting quarterback. And um, Henry wasn't playing well. He wasn't playing very well at all. And he, John Huffnagel at the time, took him many weeks to, to give that. And then he finally made the decision. Uh, they got a bit of a boost with uh, Drew in there. And then in the playoff game, uh, Henry had to come in because uh, I think Drew had an injury or was just not um, not playing very well or something. And it, it, that was the, the probably the worst season of the Huffnagel coaching era. And now we're seeing, it was like, everything always, it always has to end at some point, right? And then Henry went on to, to Hamilton and Ottawa and went to Grey Cups and won another one. So it doesn't mean certainly that Bo Levi Mitchell's done, and I wouldn't uh, figure that to be the case. It's just he's having a bad year, and the Stamps are having a bad year along with it, right? So, But that's yeah, the most recent example I can think of Stamps-wise, right? Yeah, I mean, it's obviously premature, but I, I just it's going to be fascinating because if you're aware of what realistically the repercussions of that are, right? Like, you're aware that if you if you make that change, at the end of the season, realistically, Bo's not going to be sticking around Calgary. Like, yeah. It's a bigger no. decision than just – it's a bigger decision than just who can help us beat the Riders on October 2nd. Uh, and it's a decision that, like, bears the weight of the last 10 years of the team's history. Um, there's just a lot there that you have to think about. Yeah. No, it definitely does. And it, it seemed um... – even when they pull him in the last minutes of that game, it, it was the right decision to do it because you just give him a new look. It didn't feel like they were gonna, you weren't gonna come back and win. So uh, let him sit on the bench for a, a few minutes and at least don't put him in harm's way, right? And uh, he didn't take uh, Bo didn't take too kindly to that one. He didn't really like getting pulled. I I saw what you put out on Twitter and it was a lot of kind of shock on his part. Um, that he would get pulled in that game. But anybody watching would have said, well, maybe you should have done it a little earlier. I think that's what you you also commented. Like, are shouldn't we shouldn't they make a quarterback switch here just to get a different look? Because the offense is not getting a uh, any energy. Well, I mean, I acknowledge I, I've never like Dave hasn't had to make this decision before. So we have no idea, you know, what <clears throat> what ultimately made him do it. I mean, I think clearly the way that they played. Having him in a couple series earlier probably would have given them a better, better chance to win. Um, and Bo doesn't have to like that. And that is one of those things where, uh, like, I think what you do right now, if, if I was the one making decisions, but this is not based on my understanding of coaching football. This is based on my understanding of, like, how human nature works, is Bo starting against the Riders. You give him that. You, he goes in there. You're not, you give him a long leash. You tell them this is still your team, but everybody is aware of what's at stake there. And Bo's got to go in. He's got to start winning the football games. And if he doesn't, I, I ultimately, you have to treat everyone the same. And if Jake Mayer gives you a better chance to win, Jake Mayer has to be given that opportunity. Yeah. Uh, are you ready for some uh, Wednesday and Tuesday night football over the next two weeks? <laughs> we actually have that. <laughs> <laughs> the, the the schedule this week is Wednesday, Hamilton at Ottawa. Uh, and then there's two Friday games, no weekend games. And then the following week is uh, starts with a Tuesday game. Uh, and that's uh, Edmonton at Ottawa. 
So, <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a peculiar one. And then, of course, it's uh, the following week after that is back to a Wednesday game. So uh, some midweek football for the next few weeks, which is going to be an interesting situation, right, now that we've got – Very stupid. <laughs> it's an NFL situation is playing on weekends. They play Thursday nights. So they stayed away from Thursday, but they've got Tuesdays and Wednesdays. So um, definitely it it's just the CFL and the normal strangeness. I, you know, it's not the first time I've seen a Tuesday game, but I'm like, uh, who's got the best record on Tuesday night football? That's, uh, <laughs> that's just gonna be one. you just wonder why, like, were they assuming that, that Jays were going to be really good and wanted to avoid the Jays? Like, I don't know. I, uh, there must be something to do with Ottawa had a, a Tuesday night schedule. That wasn't a rescheduled game. It's Tuesday night against Edmonton. Almost, It's almost part of the previous week. But you didn't have Ottawa twice on the schedule in a week. So the, you probably pushed it back to to Wednesday because you had a Tuesday game. I, did they have some sort of unavailability of their stadium? That, that's People the only thing. They're excited for the Red Box if they can't wait until the weekend, I guess. <laughs> well, we know what the the biggest thing to do in Ottawa uh, this Wednesday and the following Tuesday will be uh, Red Blacks games. Um, not that they're planning on winning them, I'm sure. Although Edmonton coming in next Tuesday sounds like a winnable game for them. Uh, it'll <laughs> might be their best their best chance to get a win streak together here. Even listening can't see my face, but I can't make head or tails of this. <laughs> you're, you're telling me this live as we go and i just like i'm trying to think of like some explanation like we got an election on monday and you gotta, you gotta have a, a big game to follow that up on tuesday uh, i don't know but that's stupid i hate yeah. that i'm not planning on watching any of those so you're gonna make a great podcast <laughs> you're not playing well it's it's tough when you're on your week off you kind of want to decompress right the uh the team needs a break, and you also need a break. You've been going seven straight weeks of hard coverage, right? And yeah. Uh, so, yeah, you've been to now four different cities to see games in three across three provinces. Tell me the differences you're seeing um, from Ontario to Manitoba to to Alberta, because it feels like a li- it feels like a little different everywhere you go. Saskatchewan atmosphere is a lot different, although that game was not well attended on. Uh, Friday night. No, this is weird. I mean, I don't know. I'm convinced that Alberta is a statue from the fact that our governments have just allowed COVID to run rampant. Um, is going to have an impact. And, you know, it's great that you got to prove that you're vaccinated to get in right now. Um, if anyone wants to explain to me, Cammy Capgay from Global tweeted that um, the, the flames like they have some sort of exemption from all of the like mask wearing and all of that because they are a business, not an event. This is after like five years of them insisting on us calling the arena an event center, but they don't, I, anyways, I, this is very Calgary specific, like municipal politics, annoying, annoying this, but um, I don't really get it. What I will say is this Hamilton was 15,000 people at the game. That's a sellout. That's the maximum that you're allowed in Ontario had to prove vaccination like they people are more responsible people honestly like my impression this isn't about st peter's people but like nobody's complaining about there being regulations people understand that you're looking after your neighbor in both um 
Hamilton and Manitoba, everywhere you went, you, you didn't feel that tension that you feel in Alberta where you're not sure if you have some nut job anti-vaxxer about to jump down your throat. It was like very much people went, they lined up, they were calm, they did it, um, and and you got through it. But they were both good atmospheres at the game. Um, the crowds are smaller than they would be in a normal year. Um, but I enjoyed it, you know. I, I certainly do not have a complaint about having to wear a mask anywhere. I'm glad that we're doing it again in Alberta. But, um, yeah, a little bit more organized, a little bit more controlled, a little bit sort of more conscious of the threat to our community. Now, the Saskatchewan mandate hasn't come in yet, right? So that that doesn't really explain the the less the fewer people there. On... We have to prove vaccination for this game in Saskatchewan. Oh, you did. Okay, yeah. so that might be where you see the drop off immediately, right? So yeah, I mean, if a bunch of anti-vax losers don't want to go to the game, I'm not sure anyone at the stadium is going to complain. They'll they'll replace their dollars soon enough. Um, but actual intelligent people who you know understand what they don't understand. Um, but yeah, attendance attendance was down, but they they have to prove. I believe that the next St. Peter's game. You also have to show proof of vaccination. Yeah, well, with the the changing rules in Alberta, uh, kind of has made it so. I mean, we have to have vaccine vaccination proof to go to school right now. So, uh, I'm going to campus this week, and I have to bring my card with me. So, uh, it's going to be um, kind of a an interest how it. Uh, it's interesting how it affects that, and we'll see the the next Stampeders game is two Fridays from now. So it's. Um, people will have their chance to figure all that out. You figured out how to, did you get your card or you, you found your, I, no, no, no. I went back like before I went to Manitoba, I, I just went to the pharmacy. Okay. They approved. So obviously I got to do the government stuff. I'm not going to do it until I get home. Yeah. Uh, well, and I haven't done it either. Cause I, I don't need to join the wait list. I got my, my sheet anyway, and I'm, I just put it in my wallet and, and now I got a Costanza wallet and I don't really care. I've got my proof of vaccine. I don't really, it doesn't bother me. Yep. Yeah. We'll yeah, see. I mean, a... I'm going to be interested. Like it's so hard, like in stadium, like once you're there, I mean, I can tell you that both Hamilton and Winnipeg, you know, give media meals, which is great. Um, the Alberta teams have been insisting that they're not allowed, but uh, apparently other teams are. Um, so okay. yeah. That's it. Um, that seems like a, a rule they made up on their own. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, no, 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 we're not buying you. But I remember having this argument with Mike Petrie many years ago when uh, we went to Winnipeg and they they traditionally always had a had a meal waiting for us. And so I didn't bring any food to the stadium for a day that I spent there. And I was like, oh, I thought they, they were going to bring food. And I was like, why do they have to feed you? I'm like, I didn't say they have to, but when they do and then they don't, it's kind of, it, it's just like, okay, I got to spend a day at the stadium and we'll have to run across the subway and grab some food. So it's, it's always a nice treat when they're, uh, when food is provided and then you don't have to worry about it when you're working. Right. It's, it's yeah. like, oh, well, you, you guys just want your free meal. I was like, well, no, we got to eat and we're there all day. Like it's had I known I would have brought a lunch. So that's a side tangent, but I know you guys in the, I, it all the time. I don't care if I come across as entitled. I like, I don't <laughs> want to sit in my <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, and the yeah. thing is, yeah, it's not so easy. You go to for a, a 
you're there for a football game and it's yeah the game is only three hours but you're there generally a few hours beforehand and a couple hours afterwards it's a long day to not have anything to eat so i'm absolutely filling their social media feeds with my content um and you know asking the questions that they post online so you know hey right give me a little bit of roast beef with some gravy some some, some vegetables and give it to me. I, I just, I, uh, I, work hard. I work so hard. Yeah. So hard. Oh man, I, you are, you're the hardest working man in media. I was like, okay, yeah, that's not a high bar. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on to the other games. What do we like? Okay, well, uh, we can, uh, we kind of quickly touched on BC uh, beating Montreal. And we, you've said it earlier. What uh, what is BC right now? And they're starting to maybe round into form. There's there's no question that when Michael Riley has time and um, time and space, he can he can throw the ball. So we're not really worried about that. It's just that team is just taking some time to come together. I think, and um, like you said, that's the team that has the the toughest schedule going down the stretch here. Uh, and Montreal has just been super inconsistent too. So. Uh, it's kind of generally those teams are, we're trying to figure out who they are and this game didn't tell us, along, did it tell us anything? The Lions are far, farther along that path than Montreal. Um, Montreal just feels like a mediocre team to me right now. Like they have high upside, but they're not, they're not playing there. And like, you know, Vernon Adams, it was so funny. Like the CFL posted like, Something about double coverage, we don't care. And it was like a sick catch with one of the Montreal guys, I think it was Eugene Lewis, made in double coverage. And then it was like the very next one was BC pick. And it was like, <laughs> <laughs> it was like yeah, like don't throw the double coverage. Um, and like, I mean, look, I think William, like, if I look at that team, I think Stanback's amazing, but like, Bernard Adams has regressed a little bit. Um, I think in the East they're going to be fine. I mean, these teams all get to – there's not going to be a crossover because these teams all get to play Ottawa much. So all the East teams are going to have more wins than the fourth place West team. Um, yeah. But so with the, at this point with BC, like their schedule is tough, and that, that is a thing. Like they've got two wins against Ottawa, which can't have absolutely nothing. But, I mean, look, they can score, and I think they're pretty good defensively. I, I like their, D, their DB group. Um I like the way they play. I think they're, you know, Rick Campbell is a good, smart professional coach who, who keeps the guys locked in and holds them accountable. Um, and I, at this point, I mean, BC is my third playoff team in the West. They just have to be. So um, I'm going to be very curious how they how they stack up against a really really good defensive line, a really really good just D group in general um, in Winnipeg, but. You know, I can't sit here and say, oh, well, you know, you win or you lose when we're talking about the Stamps and the Stamps are losing and then not say the same thing. I mean, the Lions are winning. They win ball games, And that's all you can do, and that's what gets you in the playoffs. So I've been really impressed, and I do think that Michael Riley has had a huge bounce back here. He's, he, you know, he's, just, he's still got the arm. He can still just whip the ball down there. Mm-hmm. Who is the best running back in the CFL right now? Is it Stanback or William Powell? Ooh, those are the two you are. James, James Wilder Jr. Sorry? I, and I probably have a stand back right now with Wilder as number two. I think Wilder's been having a pretty pretty damn good year. Um, and the way that he, like, I think he's a 
a danger catching the ball as well. I, I mean, he's the biggest right spot on that Edmonton team this season, that's for sure. So he's our number two. But when Stan Mack, when he gets moving downhill, man, there's no one else like him in the league. He makes you mess, and he can also, you know, he hurts you a little bit when you when you hit him. So um, for me, it's Stan Mack. Yeah. The, what, the, my favorite uh, stat, and it was um, for rushers for, for sure, was uh, yards per carry. And uh, this is an, a, that's an area that John Cornish always just crushed the competition. He had, he was almost seven for his career. And uh, right now it's, uh, Wilder is leading that. And I believe of them among, now that I clicked on it, I'm like, Stanback's at 6.2. And where's Wilder now? Yeah, I gotta. Wilder's at five point six. So, yeah, Standback, uh, really nice. Six point two is a is a pretty decent uh, uh, yards per carry, and that puts you in second and short almost every time he gets the ball, right? So, hundred um, percent. Yeah, I mean, it also brings me back. I do not understand why the State Peters aren't running the ball that more. I would just want to say that quickly. I like. I know that it's just not really the way the Dixon teams play, but it's bizarre to me that you know that Kidding Carey is so talented that he's not giving him the ball. He's getting seven carries a game right now. It's crazy. Yeah, and in, in seven games, he's got seventy-five carries. Um, so you're averaging. He must have had a, a big one at some point in time because I it felt like he had it six or seven times a couple of games, right? So. Yeah. Um, and then Andrew Harris has got 72 carries in four games. So <laughs> it was just a commitment to the run there. So Andrew Harris, anyway. I mean, sort of still Andrew Harris. <laughs> sort of still yeah. Andrew Harris. So in, in Edmonton, uh, Her- Andrew Harris, no wait, Andrew Harris. What's the, the Trevor, Trevor Harris, Harris the quarterback that didn't play for the Elks this week. Uh, Taylor Cornelius came in, um, and that's a real – That if you're going to make your first CFL start, you don't want to do against Winnipeg. Uh, they just – they they were chomping at the bit to, to show that rookie some things, and, yes, they just – it felt like every time you were – every time I was looking up at the screen Saturday night, it was like, uh, yeah, uh, another Winnipeg defensive touchdown. Um, and you can't have too many pick sixes to – to and you're in win games it's just the the way things go but uh how do you turnovers feel about the elk? really important turnovers are really important yeah it's, it's like yeah that's like football 101 do you yeah. feel like the, the elks have anything with taylor cornelius or are they going to just fall off within this playoff race because of I don't know, it's not taylor cornelius, but no i don't think i mean he looked fine to me that's a big ask, as you said, against a, <clears throat> a Winnipeg defense that does a lot of things. You know, they switch up coverages. They blitz a ton. That was a tough assignment. But, um, no, I, I honestly wouldn't surprise me if Edmonton didn't win another game. I don't know if they have one against Ottawa. Um, it just feels like this is one of those seasons where the wheels came off before they even got put on in Edmonton. And uh, I, I don't think Trevor Harris is that good, or at least that consistently good. But – you're better off with him than a rookie. Um, and, yeah, I think I'm in trouble. I think the playoffs this year. I, I, I have zero confidence in them. That's not about Cornelius so much as it is the team as a whole. 
Yeah. And then uh, Toronto uh, kind of, they, they had a lot of fight in them, but uh, that was a tough road to go into Saskatchewan and win that game. Um, I watched that game pretty much from start to finish and uh, it just felt like every time the riders needed a big play, they were able to make one. And uh, they, they just, they generally didn't look all that great doing it, but uh, they, you know, they, it's one of those, it reminded me of the Wally Bono era type of win. It was like, uh, we, you know, weren't, weren't great in every area, uh, but we're still good enough to pull out some big plays when we need it and, and win the game at the end. So um, felt like Toronto's, uh, there's some flashes there. And once they keep, they keep building, they'll be able to put things together. And I think they're, they have a chance to win the East um, because of the, the inconsistent nature of Hamilton too right now, right? Yeah, I mean, Toronto's a work in progress, and that's okay. And that's, I mean, that's a thing with every team in this league right now, other than Winnipeg. Is like, I, and maybe this is the thing when the Stampeders were saying, "Oh, we're going to build, we're going to build, we're going to build." Every team builds, right? So, um, you know, maybe the Stamps idea that they were going to build and, and be exponentially better at it was just ridiculous the whole time. But the argument is like. <clears throat> Look, you got three wins, you got three losses. Uh, you're going to be right in the mix right until the end. Um, but it's just got to keep coming together. I mean, in a normal season, two of those games would have been preseason games, and we're coming out of week four, and we're saying, hey, the Argos got something. You know, they're, they're, they're two and two. They're, let's see how they build. <clears throat> and that's how I feel about them right now. I just I think Nick Arbuckle's a good quarterback. I don't think he's a great quarterback yet. I think he's got a lot of work to do. Uh, I like the way that that team's built. Um, I think it's a pretty tough goal when you miss when you lose two coaches in a game week. Um, so I don't think this was a game that they had a hope now. If I'm being careful, you know, you got a new guy calling defensive plays. It, it was it was a big ask for them going to Saskatchewan. They lost. Whatever it doesn't change my opinion on them. That they have a shot of coming out of the East. That's not only the top team, but that's the great cup run. Yeah, uh, a team bring that's the team that brings uh, Chris Jones back into the CFL. So uh, at least we'll see, you know, we'll see whichever team wants to change up their coach next season. Chris Jones will be at the top of the list for taking over and causing a lot of drama because that's what Chris Jones does, and uh, <laughs> he's he's fun. He's fun for the league at least. He he gets uh, he makes things interesting, right? It's no fun to talk to if you're a reporter, but other than that, it's fun for the league, I guess. Um, it's <laughs> unbelievable that, that he, it looks like he's coming back. Um, can I ask you a question? Before yeah. the season started, we got told how the season was going to go. We were told it was going to be a regular playoff format, but they were leaving the door open to going to an 18 playoffs. Yeah, that are, sounded horrible to me. Are we, it, it baffled me too, but it's still, they've never closed the door. They've never said we're past that point. Are we past the point where they could do it and without people losing their minds? Uh, no. Yeah, they're past that point. Yeah, they, they have to stick with six. Like, yeah. Yeah, I can't, I can't think of how silly it would be to have a, what would, you know, a one in, or a two in, Two and twelve Red Blacks team make the playoffs. Like, well, no, they do four West teams. Uh, yeah, I guess it's, they just do top eight, make it. Right? Yeah. Regardless so, so division. if the if the Edmonton Elks miss the playoffs at, 
because they don't have the tiebreaker against Ottawa. If they're two and 12 and they miss the playoffs and Ottawa's in at two and 12, that would just, it would just make, it would be a pointless game for that first place team. Like, I don't know. This, this league, this league, like these maniacs wouldn't surprise me at all. (laughs) Well, I, I, yeah, we've seen from the last two years that you think there's a common sense decision to be made here. And uh, then they go in the opposite direction. So, and we see it a lot in Alberta. So, um, obviously, that would be a silly spot. But uh, yeah, and that would put the the chances of the Calgary Stampeders making the playoffs would greatly increase. And also, it would be ridiculous. So, Peters, <laughs> uh, anyway. they have not they have not ruled it out yet. They they've said that they would be revisiting and. You know, there, there was a possibility, and I'm just, I'm just waiting. I'm, do we expect when they make the announcement? Like, is there an announcement? Is there an announcement coming when the CFL is like, no, we decided to stick with sex? Or is there only an announcement if they decide to change it? Well, I thought they did announce that they were only doing six, but uh, they were well, only doing. Six. Oh, okay, were well, yeah, I thought it was a done deal because it was just so silly that they would have eight of nine teams in the playoffs. Like, this, you gotta, you gotta make the playoffs a worthy situation, right? Like, anyway. Well, my friend, we should probably wrap it up. Um, we're looking at a small week of games. There's only three games coming up this week, so we'll, you'll get some time to relax and spend some time with family out east, and um, we're gonna have. Uh, a lot to talk about uh, heading into that bye week when they come back in, uh, when the Stamps come back to practice and see who they declare as their number one quarterback. We believe it's going to be Bowley by Mitchell. I can't see it going in any other direction right now, but it wouldn't be surprising if, if Jake Mayer ends up the starter by the end of the year, if things have gone, keep going the way that they've gone right now. Yeah. I mean, look, I'm sure that ideally the Stamps would, like, if those hurt, that gives you an out. Like if Bo's fighting through, his leg's not fully healed, whatever. That's the out that you kind of want if you are thinking about Mayer. Um, it's just to be able to announce, hey, this isn't us saying Jake Mayer is the guy of the future. This is just Bo can't play. But um, short of that, I just I think you gotta roll with Bo. He's done too much and means too much. His relationship with the organization and the team and the city just means too much at this point just to bury him because of a couple of bad games. So it's it's good for your uh, chatter though you'll be uh, covering that uh, when you get back to work so I can yeah I'm uh, looking forward to it man awesome it'll be, it'll be some fun quarterback controversies never a bad thing for a reporter never, that's never a dull moment I, I covered one back when like I said when Henry Burris got removed as the starter for the stamps and then it was a decision for the next couple of years as to who the starter would be went from Drew uh, he was always hurt to Kevin Glenn, and then um, Mitchell came in, and uh, it wasn't like a massive shock, but when they picked uh, um, Bo over Drew Tate, and it turned out to be the right decision, and I'm sure that Dave will make the per- correct decision, whatever he does right now. So, All right, enjoy the time off, and we'll catch up next week after uh, some of those other games. Peace.